This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 160. This week we catch up on travel news as Ellie tells us how to eat and drink your way around Malta. Then later on, I chat to deputy food editor Adam and find out some great tips and tricks to raise your barbecue game this summer. So Ellie, you recently went on a trip to Malta exploring its food and drink, didn't you? I did. Um, Lots of people I know have been to Malta, but I'm very ashamed to say I don't know anything about it and even where it is, which is embarrassing considering the amount of travelling I do. Um, Can you enlighten us? Yeah, well, I was in the same situation. I had to Google where it was, which is a bit (laughs) embarrassing. Um, But yeah, so it's basically right at the bottom of Sicily, almost... Um, halfway between the North African coast and the Sicily coast. Right. So it's in the middle. No, a lot of people (laughs) think like Spain and around there. Yes. Um, But actually, and also before I went, I didn't really know a lot about the cuisine Mm -hmm. because you don't hear a lot about Maltese food. Um, But it's actually very Italian focused. So there's a lot of pasta, a lot of pastries. You'll be very um, pleased personally. A lot of rice (laughs) and bread, which is great. Um, That or are also Arab cuisine influences um, because it was ruled by the Arabs a while ago. Um, And also the place names have that influence, which makes it very confusing. So there's a little fishing village called Martha Schlock. Um, Very well pronounced there. I try. (laughs) And so we were all looking on this map trying to find Martha Shock, but it's actually got lots of X's and K's in it. So you can't really okay. Google places before you go. You've got yeah, to... Uh, that's yeah. hard one. But I'm sure mm. in your guide, you've written yeah, down... Exactly. Yeah. So you'll be able to find everywhere to go. <laughs> cool. So um, when you fly in, I can imagine you fly into the capital, Valletta, don't you? Uh, yeah. So you actually fly into Malta. Oh, so oh. Malta is just, just Malta one airport. airport. So okay. it's just Malta airport. Um, but it's only 20 minutes away from Valletta okay. in by car or by bus. Um, and what's that like as a city? Yeah, so Valletta is beautiful. It it's, reminds me a lot of kind of Portuguese cities, but like Lisbon, mm-hmm. um, in the sense that it's just lots of, it's very hilly. Um, it's basically just one hill. Okay. And then you just, there's one main street, which is called Republic Street. Um, and that's got a lot of restaurants on, a lot of bars. But then it's almost on a grid system. So you can just turn down okay. and it's hard to get lost. So really. pa- pack your trainers. Pack your trainers. Yeah, because you do do a lot of walking. And but where are your favourite places to eat that? So I would say, so there's four really. There's a um, little cafe called Cafe Cordina, which was established in 1837. And that, again, is very Italian in its style. So it's very grand. It's a big, big marble staircase that all the staff wear, like black waistcoats. Um, and there's this glass counter full of patisserie. So there's a thing called Pudina which is a Maltese bread pudding and it's filled with like candied fruit, walnuts um, and a chocolate hazelnut cream. Sounds like a lot of stuff, but yeah, it's great. Um, And they've got a lovely little outdoor area so you can just sit and have a coffee there. Um, So that's if you're looking for something traditional. There's also a newer um, place, which is an indoor street market. It was in this almost like dilapidated building and then they 
they revamped it. Brilliant. They're doing a, so lot, they're doing a lot and they? they were saying, people that we spoke to said it's great because there wasn't really a place like that. Mm-hmm. So it's actually split over three floors. So on the bottom, you've got this deli, which is more than deli. It's like an amazing supermarket where you can pick up everything. Um, and then the top two floors are all little street food vendors, but there's loads of seating. There's a roof terrace as well. Um, and from there, I'd say you should get something called Pastizi Pastries, which I'm going to mention oh, a bit I saw more. Oh, a great photo of those. Yeah, and I'll talk about those later because there is a particular place you should get them from. But yeah, Um, another place, if you're looking for like fine dining, I'd say it's called Noni. Um, So this is where the Maltese and the Mediterranean cuisine kind of merges together. So we had stuff like rabbit confit croquettes. And then the best dish, I'd say, was the slow-cooked octopus tagine. And it came with um, giant couscous and loads of spices. So... Yeah, that's kind of your. It's not traditional, but it's a modern take on what people are doing. Hey, sounds fab. Yes, a lot to eat. Yes. <laughs> so um, there's enough there to be getting on with, but if I know that Malta's an island, isn't mm, it? Yeah. So, but there are lots of little islands to explore on the mm. archipelago, aren't there? Yes. Um, and I think you went to one. Was it Gozo? Gozo, yes. yeah. So um, Gozo and Malta are kind of, they're not interchangeable, but a lot of people live on Gozo, work in Malta. So Malta itself is is small. It takes probably about an hour and a half to drive from the top to the bottom of the island. And then you just catch a little ferry up to Gozo, um, which is obviously even smaller. And it's quite a different landscape. It's very lush. It's very green. Um lots of plants, lots of olive groves everywhere. And so, um, yeah, we had some amazing food in Gozo. There's um, obviously a citadel and we climbed right to the top and there's this tiny little restaurant tucked away, which you wouldn't expect because it's more like a historic site that people Mm. just visit. And there was this man called Ricardo who has been making cheese there for years. He has a little farm. It's actually traditional rather than some kind of... Yeah, it was just him and his wife and his daughter basically that were running it um and they said each morning they collect the milk at half six and they bring it there and then they spend their day making these things called cheeselets which are the type of cheese you'll find in malta they're almost it's kind of a mix of like a soft and hard cheese it's like a round circular shape and they're often jarred and like preserved in oil and stuff um and then we tried them he puts them in in ravioli, serves them with pasta. But we actually got a jar to take away with us. And it's amazing because they're preserved in uh, black pepper as well. But they get the strongness, if that's a word, strength, strength, that's the one. (laughs) The strength increases so much. Like the other day I had one. And even within a couple of weeks, he said, you'll be able to tell the difference even with a day. And we were like, really? It's just sheep and goat's yeah. cheese, but you can. It's, yeah, What's really so punchy taste stuff. The pepper or the actual just cheese? the actual cheese. Ah, yeah, it's really, okay. yeah, really strong. So, yeah. Great. So, back to the mainland. Where else would you visit aside from Valletta if you had a, a car to drive? So, yeah, that's a good point. You do really need a car okay. to drive around yeah, the island. I can imagine public because transport. Because public, public transport isn't... There are buses, mm-hmm. but it's easier if you've got a car. So Martha Schlock, which is a tiny little fishing village, that's beautiful. Just if you want, you only need to spend like an hour, a couple of hours there just to wander around if you want like a place by the sea. Um, 
I'd also say Medina, which people, Game of Thrones fans might recognise. Okay, um, I'm not, I'm afraid. No, well, apparently it's all filmed in Malta. Oh, but, um, great. Yeah, so there are Didn't lots of, yeah, everyone goes there. That's we where were, everyone's going. Yeah, we were like, <laughs> we want the food. And they're like, not Game of Thrones. We're like, no. Um, so that itself is called the Silent City. Um, and it's very picturesque, but obviously it is quite touristy. But on the outside of the city walls is a town called Rabat. And there's a 24-hour shop there, open 24 hours a day, serving pastizzi pastries, oh, which fab. are the um, the national snack yeah. of Malta. Um, and this this place is called Crystal Palace. And the queues do, you can imagine, run along imagine. the road. It is, um, but it's worth joining them because it's just a few old men that are running the place and they're just churning out these pastries. And I think you can probably get four pastries for less than three euros. It's wow. a bargain. And so what they are is, is a very crisp type of pastry, almost like a phyllo. And they come in a diamond shape and there's lots of layers so you can see the layers on top of each other. And then they're filled with either ricotta. Uh, this doesn't sound great, but it's like mushy peas, but they're, it Sounds is really great. And then <laughs> or almost like a chicken pasty filling Um, and then they're often sprinkled with sesame seeds and then they come out of the oven and they're they taste really buttery and just piping hot and they're just one of those really comforting snacks that even in the really hot heat of Malta you can just keep on eating which is great sounds great just to go there yeah, I know it's though. worth it just for Crystal Palace. <laughs> um, so we've chatted a lot about the food of Malta. Uh, how about drinks? I think you visited a vineyard, didn't you? I saw yes. on Instagram. So we visited a couple of vineyards and I was actually um, in Malta with a wine writer. And she was saying before she went, she hadn't really heard much about Maltese wine. There are a lot of vineyards across the island, but they were saying because they're so small they just can't export it so it's only sold within the island so that's why and they get to keep it yeah and so no one really knows about it but if you do go stock up so you can have it when you're back home but um we went to we went to two so one of them was called San Nicolau Estate and that's in the southeast of the island and it's this man who is the only pediatric surgeon on the island. Good. Who, Good to um, know that he's got yeah, a vineyard. He's, he's got, yeah, he's, you know. <laughs> I'm sure he's um, very professional. Turning his hand to both jobs. <laughs> um, and so he started this vineyard um, just producing wines that he wanted to drink, basically. And um, so Vermitino is quite big there. And so you can go, wander around. It's, it's all the way of life in Malta is very relaxed. So you could just turn up, wander around and have a, have a drink. Yeah. yeah. And so that's almost what happened with the second one we went to, which was um, an older man who has been running this um, vineyard producing just natural wines. for Very trendy. Yeah. So we said this to him and he said he's it's the way he's always done it. He's been doing it for over 30 years, That's probably. That's what happens, though, doesn't yeah. it? Like something, something he becomes trendy. He said trendy and, become, like, and he's like, I've always done this. And so we turned up there on a Sunday morning and he was just um, cooking, roasting a lamb outside for his family, doing boulanger potatoes. And he was like, oh, you can just sit and join us if you want. Oh, and so lovely. we were just wandering around the That's vineyard. So nice. And so, yeah, it is. 
it's lovely, but yeah, you have to drink them in Malta, I'm afraid. Oh, well, I'll definitely be going for that. Yes. Um, so yeah, thanks for tempting me into a visit. Um, if you want to go and reenact some Game of Thrones scenes yeah. and like have some nice Maltese wine <laughs> and food, those pastries, what are they called again? Pastizzi yeah, pastries. They sound amazing mm. in particular. Um, then Ellie has got a guide on olivemagazine.com to Valletta, haven't yes. you? Yes, and we have also got a big Malta guide as well online. Yes, so yes, that we did in partnership with Visit Malta. Further we? afield. So, yes, well, thanks a lot. And yeah, I shall be visiting very soon. Thank you. Stay tuned to learn some great tips and tricks for the perfect barbecue. This is Janine with Adam, our newly promoted deputy food editor. Thank Congratulations, you Adam. Thank you very much. Chuffed, um, chuffed a bit. And our new issue is also out, and it's summer. So, what are we going to talk about? Barbecuing, of course. Because <laughs> um, I think um, a couple of weeks ago we had one of the hottest weekends of, um, of the summer, and everyone was out there in the back garden burning things to a cinder. So, mm. this is all about how not to do that. Exactly. Um, and <clears throat> the thing that you've written on our new issue, uh, you've got lots of tips and tricks to mm. do with that. Um, one of the things that you say is preparation is key. What sort of prep should people be doing? Um, well, it could be um, as simple as working out exactly when you want to eat. Right. So like any uh, sort of cooking, you sort of have an ideal eating time. So work out when everyone wants to sit down at the table. Exactly. Yeah. And then thinking about, oh, the coals need to heat up. You know, and like, you know, it, it basically just counting up all those different things, to, meaning that your food comes out at the time that you actually And you want won't be to. sitting there drunk at 10 o'clock like exactly, I was exactly. on I Sunday. Everyone, <laughs> everyone has been there. Um, but it also could be um, like pre-cooking things. Yeah. Um, so like chicken legs, say, you could cook them nice and gently in the oven um, for like half an hour just to like get some heat through them. Get so them that cooked then, through, yeah. Um, you're basically just sort of finishing them or searing them um, in the oven. You could do the same with like big uh, like ribs or... Um, yeah, we've got quite a lot of recipes where you actually like poach the ribs first. Yeah, some, something exactly. like ribs, which ideally you want, you want kind of over an hour cooking time. Mm -hmm. So you can put them in, uh, you can put them in stock or I think we had, we had a recipe where you put them in Dr. Pepper, which was really good. Mm. Um, put foil on and then poach them for an hour, an hour and half and then you can actually cool them down and then the next day apply your glaze and mm -hmm. finish them off on the barbecue get the heat going through exactly and that means you don't get the cinder meat on the outside in the raw, and meat, the raw in the meat in the middle yeah. yeah um which i think every person who's had a barbecue in the uk has um has yeah. had and really like eat, cooking things for a long time with the barbecue is a good thing to do but yeah if it's after a certain, amount, a certain amount of time, it doesn't really input that much more flavour than no. if you cooked it quickly. I think it's like next level barbecuing, isn't it? When you start getting into adding smoking chips to your coals, mm. like using your barbecue like an oven and using that smoking thing as, as a part of the whole process, mm -hmm. then that's when it starts getting a good idea to be doing the long yeah, cooking. Yeah, you're adding those layers of flavour. Yeah. Um, but yeah. otherwise, it's... I mean, one thing we could talk about actually as part of that is your... Um, you do talk about having the hot side and the cold side because I think the problem is a lot of people will throw the chicken thighs straight onto the, the coals. You know, the, the the fires die down and you've got those you've got those nice kind of smouldering coals and mm. they just burn and mm -hmm. they're raw inside. So what should people be doing setup-wise? Um, 
so really like the the ideal thing to have is to, is to have the two sides to your barbecue mm-hmm. is to have the sort of like really hot side and the and the cool side yep. so that means uh simplistically just banking your coals up on one side or with the gas burners off on one side on on the other and that, that doesn't barbecue. mean at the beginning though does it you basically heat your barbecue yes. as you would normally yeah. like with firelighters mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. and then you get a some kind of implement not your not, don't put your hands near <laughs> yeah, it yeah. and push all of those hot yeah, coals to exactly, one side. Exactly. Um, and then you basically, it's just being, then you can manage what you're cooking yeah. really well. Because I think a lot of people in the barbecue, I mean, if you have flare ups and it's all hot, there's nowhere where you can, you can't, there's no retreat place. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like, oh, I'm scared. It's all flaring up. Everything's yeah. burning. There's like, it's really nice to have that area where you can be like, oh, actually, that can go right to the other side yeah. and cool off for a bit, chill you know, out, take chill a chill out for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> And as well as that, it means that you can cook slightly diff like things that would take longer. Yeah. You can cook them sort of through. Mm. Um, so you can get some heat in them over the direct side, like straight over the coals, and then move them over to the other side. And the heat will still be getting to them, but really more, oh, I see. more gently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just like in my the recipe that I ran um, along with the lowdown, the uh, Razzle Hanout and Honey barbecue chicken wings. Mm. That's what I was just to do. And it's also in the barbecue feature that Helen Graves wrote at the beginning. Yeah, we've got a lamb. brilliant barbecue feature this month as well. Yeah, there's chicken wings sugar snap peas and also the lamb ribs yeah and um that's how helen says to cook hers it's like you you sort of put it over on the cooler side of the barbecue and let the like that that more gentle heat just slowly and that um, slowly cooks it cooks it yeah and then move it to the hot side for the final kind of searing yeah and then another good thing i know we are both huge fans of the um the digital thermometer Mm. and that's part of your essential barbecue equipment isn't it yes um really you know if there's any bit of doubt in your brain about whether something's cooked the thermometer can take that away because yeah. you literally you without know, you having to take it off and start sewing it up yeah at the side exactly of the, you yeah. just you know push it into wherever like the thickest part yeah. and it'll give you a, a digital reading of what the temperature is and, and temperature instant read as well it's instant read and, and temperature equates to cooking in yeah. a really obvious way so you know if something's at 40 or 50 it's not it's cooked. not cooked no. or if it's steak you know <laughs> it's really rare yeah or um but if it's up at 70 80 yeah if it's chicken and it's over 70 75 then you're, you're fine you're good. Yeah. or if you're doing like um something like beef ribs mm. when you're doing them really slowly if you're oh, up at yeah. around 80 then you know that's good because the collagen is starting to break down it'll start to be getting really gelatinous and, and soft and also like slow cooking means that it takes a lot longer for the heat to get through to, to the middle so it's yeah. done that yeah and mm-hmm. what other bits of um, cooking equipment would you suggest people um, have like I mean we don't we're not talking about hundreds of things are we it's just no a few no little... it's just like again I think it's just in preparation if you have some of these it's good but obviously yeah. I mean you can build a barbecue out of some bricks and you know yeah. do it really off grid <laughs> but we, I wouldn't suggest that to everyone <laughs> going out and doing that um I think for me one of the best bits to get to buy is a, is a chimney starter yeah um it's basically a little almost like vertical cage for your charcoal. Mm. Um, and because of the structure and the airflow, you can use a really small amount of firelighter oh, or okay. newspaper. So yeah. it cuts down on sort of like that, if there's any of that like sort of acrid um, taste from using quite a lot of firelighter, yeah. if you do the old pyramid stack in your barbecue, um, it lights much quicker because of the vertical and the, and the airflow, the sort of the heat sort of so it's like a big It's like a big metal tube with a handle on, isn't it? Yeah. And you pile your coals into the middle of it, light the bottom mm-hmm. and the air kind of sucks up and it just kind of isolates the heat so they get fired up much quicker. Much, much quicker, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think the other main positive is, is that it has a handle, a heatproof handle and a guard so that you, you should be able to pick it up. And just let all of the coals fall into the Yes, the and then you can hot. just sort of tip it in. And then also you can have control over where you're putting your coals. Oh, yeah, so you can, you can sort of oh, yeah. pour, the, pour more 
in the middle, then have a little middle, then a cooler section. And for like a really essential accessory, I think this started about 15 quid. We've yeah, got a nice one from Weber, 17.99. But, yeah, um, yeah. but it's a pretty sound bit of equipment and like price-wise, it's really good value as well. Yeah, I couldn't recommend enough. It's, um, it's the other one good. that I'm quite a big fan of because I've been burnt quite a few times is long hand. I don't think you need like, Super. I know, yeah, I, I know some people do like the whole tie around your waist, 17 different barbecue Yeah, yeah, implements. you need, you need, you need to be like Bob the Builder, Bob <laughs> yeah. the Barbecue. You don't need that many, do you? No, no, you really don't. Um, yeah, I think some, some long handled tongs, tongs is and, good. A, and a spatula so that you can sort of get that, that little, little slice underneath so things. So you can flip, flip And you want to just easily. sort of get like, sort of free them really. Yeah. From the from the bars, and then give them a flip, and also your hand is far enough away yeah. that it isn't. Because um, people often a barbecue is like three hundred and fifty degrees. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy hot. Yeah. So the the further your hands can be from it, the better, yeah. really. <laughs> um, and also continue that. Um, I think a heatproof glove is also really good. Yeah, these are really good because it looks like a mitten that you would put on for the winter, but it's actually up to a certain temperature. It's, it's completely heatproof. So I think you can kind of grab the side of not you know the, the hot hot bit of the barbecue mm-hmm. but you can definitely maneuver things around a little bit equipment yeah, wise like without if you, if you thought that oh my grill because some people have different grill settings yeah. so you can actually be like oh that's actually really close to the coals yeah and you can you sort can of move it up you a can bit move without, it up gingerly yeah. Yeah. yeah those are all really cool um and what about the fuel that people use because you know what's what's the difference say between um charcoal and briquettes because i always get really confused about what what i should be buying um, briquettes generally um, are like sort of uh, bricks that have been uh, like compressed material. Also, they've been manufactured to be More like that. manufactured. Yeah. Um, charcoal tends to be often it will be called like lumpwood charcoal, right. which is made from carbonized logs um, and things like that. And uh, briquettes are usually made from um, coal, coal like coal dust. That's right. why or, or sawdust. Oh, okay. Um, but as they're because they're so densely packed, they burn for a really long time. Yeah. Um, but not as hot as lumpwood burns. Oh, okay. Um, for some reason, because they're so dense, they don't quite have the same energy release. Yeah. So it's kind of slower and longer as opposed to fierce. And you should definitely check what you, how long your, I mean, it will have on the pack or whatever, how long it's supposedly going to burn for, because. Mm. I got an instant, just because I thought oh, it's quick, one of those instant, you know, barbecue trays where you just yeah, like, light yeah. it, which are really useful. Yeah, but if you, you're having a barbie on the beach or whatever, mm. or, but don't expect, to, you could, oh, no. you can't do a chicken thigh with them, right? You're no, talking no, like no. quite, you, maybe a little steak, maybe some seafood. Yeah. I think fish basically otherwise. Yeah. Probably because I mean, it went out in about 20 minutes. We did, uh, I did, I've done sausages on them, but you can't yeah. have, after, you can't, once they get quite dark, yeah, you kind of have to like, push them all around like, yeah. so they're sort of half on half <laughs> off and keep me doing things but burgers steaks and fish yeah or anything like that's going to cook chicken within skewers anything that's maybe got, like, like would you say like 15 20 minutes it is for like safety 15, yeah because like otherwise it'll just run out and then you're stuffed aren't you because yeah. you can't eat it i would say usually the best way to is buy two because that's, that's the reality <laughs> of it it's because you, you do like one and then uh you're like sort of halfway through and you're like it's dying yeah. it's dying on us um, and what about you know just for that food safety just to finish off what are we looking at for keeping people safe what sort of things should they be doing um well really it sounds very basic but washing your hands Mm. um you know like 
you should always, when you start cooking in the kitchen, you, you know, you always wash your hands and like if you touch raw meat and anything, yeah. you'll touch your hands. But because you're not in the same environment, mm. I think that the rules become, people, people find that they're a bit more lax with yeah, things like that. Yeah, they're not really thinking, are they? No. You see grass and you're like, yeah, you know, fire. But, um, you know, if you if you have been handling raw meat, just nip, nip inside, wash your hands yeah. with soap really thoroughly, come back out. Um, and also with raw meat is keeping it very separate from separate. cooked. Uh, so, like, so if you've got your marinated meat in one container, yeah. just beware that you don't then forget and put it back into the container with the marinade because that marinade is going to have lots of raw juices in there yeah, as well. Yeah. So just get your platter out for serving yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, most barbecues usually have some kind of like left, uh, like, like two little, like tr- uh, some of them have little trays either side or yeah. I, it's best to sort of keep it like a raw side and a... And a cooked side so you're yeah. sort of putting it on from one side and taking it off on the other yeah uh, I'm, I'm doing hand signals but yeah. obviously <laughs> no you one can see you, you can't see that um, <laughs> but you know you guys have to imagine it and on also like with cleaning the barbecue i mean ideally you would do it when you were barbecuing but no one does that do they no 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 <laughs> I, I mean only only <laughs> <laughs> a certain person would, would do that, I think. But what I normally do is get the barbecue really hot and then get a wire brush out and clean mm. it with that. But I think you've said you use like lemons on yeah, the... Yeah, so if you have um, some... You could you could use your tongs, but either, either a prong, or like a long-handled prong that sometimes comes yeah. in a set when you buy that. Um, if you stick like cut an onion in half or a lemon in half, yeah. um, the acid from the onion or lemon really helps to um, bring off the... Uh, like all those charred bits i've heard people have putting vinegar in a spray bottle as well and it helps oh yeah that's good just you know, the acid for doing yeah, it sound like kim and aggie um, you know, those two cleaning. what's, what's going to be your what's your favorite thing to barbecue at the minute what's your or what's your go-to what would you do if people come around like not a massive 20 barbecue people barbecue but just like just mates um i did some but i did like a buffalo chicken thigh recipe i, th- I think Ooh. last summer or yeah it must have been, it must have been um and you sort of marinate the you do sort of do like a dry brine slash marinade with like paprika and mm. all the good things, salt and sugar. Um, and then again, use the indirect, direct um, yeah. cooking methods. So they're sort of cooked through and crispy because yeah. you've slow cooked them and then cook them over the really. Nice. And then you make like a buffalo sauce and so then you, like you just toss it in, you toss it in, it in well. the bowl and then dish them out to people. Yeah. Mine is, uh, um, I always fall back on the butterfly leg of lamb thing mm. because basically, I mean, you can go and you can go and buy them now in supermarkets or you could, because it's butterfly, you just, you just hack, get the bone out and hack away at it and yeah, you just yeah. get it as flat as possible. And anything like yeah. you, you, that sort of hacking away, that is really what you want to do. You want, you want, you want slashes, many, you want the yeah. heat to penetrate through. You don't want like a really thin bit here and a thick bit there. Yeah. You want that sort of even. Yeah. And if you can make that thick bit thinner by or or meaning the heat can penetrate it more that's that's a good thing not a bad thing and then like i normally would go like you know loads of herbs spice maybe like kind of indian spices Mm. um yogurt put that on marinate it throw it on the barbecue and because it's a it's quite a thin bit of meat by the time you've butterflied it out you can actually just do it on direct heat yeah and just like you know like five minutes flip, five minutes, keep on flipping. And then after about 20 minutes, rest it. And then you've got really lovely pink meat coming mm-hmm, through it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that would be my top tip. But again, this issue, which is out now, the July issue, it's our, actually it's our barbecue special. We've got um, we've got cheeseburger tacos on the cover, which is a do. good start. We've got a huge barbecue feature inside, as Adam said, mm-hmm. and all of these tips and tricks as well. So go buy it. But um, thanks very much for chatting no, to no, today, Adam. Thanks. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our new July issue on the newsstand now, or go and download the app version. 
bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. <laughs>